Survival Chronicles, Trauma and Trust. In this new series I'm creating, I'm going to be telling you a lot of deep trauma stories and how I got through them. My hope in this series that I'm going to be creating for you is a couple. Number one, I want to let you know that it doesn't matter what you go through in life. When things get really dark or seem very unpromising, that there's something magical about the universe. And I believe this is what tapped me in a little bit into spirituality. And the way I was introducing to spirituality was not from books or from practices. It was actually from experience. And this series of mine, you're going to be hearing stories and going through stories with me that I never shared before. Some of them I did, most of them I didn't. But with the, each story, you're going to go, how the hell did he make it out of that situation? Or how did he do that? And it's not to glorify my story. It's to give you hope. It's to give you the faith that there's something magical that is helping us on this journey. But the more we tap in to understanding that there's something there, the more we can pull ourselves into faith. But the more we get trapped into these crazy traumatic things that we go through in this life, the more we can be pulled into fear if we do not have the strong perspective of faith. So for those that don't know who I am, I want to give you a little background in this introduction about my story. And my hopes of this background is to give you motivation and inspiration to go through these series of episodes when I do upload them. Now, if you are someone who is going to be listening to this for the first time, amazing. But if you're someone that's going to be sharing these stories as I go through, always recommend people start off with this episode and then go through these episodes for the simple fact of so they have a little understanding of my background. I was born into the world with trauma. My mother was a heroin addict and addicted to a whole bunch of other street drugs. And when she had me, I was actually born with a lot of heroin in my system to the point I couldn't leave the hospital. And um, I was going through seizures and my nervous system was so overreactive to the point that I was in a couple special programs. I was having seizures. They gave me seizure medications. And it took me a few months to be able to leave the hospital. When it was time for me to leave the hospital, nobody actually came and got me. Uh, my parents were on the streets. My father's a drug dealer. My dad's a black man who's a drug dealer. My mom's a white woman who's a drug addict. Both of my parents struggled with addiction, but my mother had it worse. So when it was time to get me, they called my emergency contact which was my grandmother, my mother's mother. And when she came and got me from the hospital, um, my father wasn't there to sign the birth certificate. And my mother still had her old married last name, which was Ortiz. She never filed for a divorce. She just split with her ex-husband, left. I was given the last name Ortiz. And the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not Hispanic, but I look Hispanic. I was biracial. So growing up was very challenging for me because in some neighborhoods, I wasn't black enough. In some neighborhoods, I wasn't white enough. And my whole childhood was a little confusing to me. Um, mom wasn't really there. I was going from family's house to family house. And I was trying my best to figure out what life was at a very young age. And I became very, very, I, I became a hermit at a young age. I was used to being a lone wolf. I had troubles fitting in with people. And um, I was known as, you know, my cousins called me a crybaby. I was very sensitive. And I became obsessed with wanting to know why. Why am I here? Why was I born like this? I had uh, learning disabilities. Uh, I started developing viligo, white spots popping up on my body. I had weight issues as a kid. And I always wanted to figure out why. 
And I'm happy I wanted to figure out why, because that led me to a path of figuring out things with science and spirituality as I got older. But things in my life were getting worse as I was getting older. Um, we finally got Section 8 and Section 8 in welfare. We was able to get an apartment. My mother was able to get custody of me around when I was about like anywhere from 9 to 10 years old. I would see different versions of my mother every day I woke up. I would get a mother that was angry. Then I would get a mother that was happy. Then I would get a mother that was absent. And I also got a mother that was very abusive. And based on how she walked, how she looked at me, and listening out to the things that were going on in the house as soon as I woke up, I kind of predicted what kind of mother I was going to have. And over time, I got really good at this skill of figuring out what mother I was working with. And I was able to adjust my attitude, my body posture, and my actions based on the mother I got so I can avoid conflict. That was the goal, to try my best to avoid conflict. Now, there were times where I did my best to try to avoid conflict, but conflict sometimes can't be controlled, right? So I suffered a lot of consequences. Um, one of the things that my mom loved to do was using this black Yankee bat. The Boys and Girls Club gave this one bat, and it was a black Yankee bat. And the, it was black, and it had gold printing on it. And that was my mom's weapon against us, me and my brothers, as when we were kids. And I got really good at trying to catch the bat as she was swinging on me. And I would catch it a couple times, but my mother's a very strong woman. And when she did connect with that bat, it was very painful. The abuse got really bad, and then there was a time in my life when my mom got clean. My older sister, my mother's first daughter, had children, and she had three kids. One was three years old, one was two, and one was one was three, one was one and a half, and then the other one was about four or five months. My niece was born with something called epilepsy. She was having seizures daily, and uh, my family did everything they can to try to support at a very young age, I found that was my safe space growing up. I used to have to watch my nephews change their diapers when my sister went to work. My mother, for the first time, for three years, was clean. She had a motivation to want to stay clean. And she went to her rehab program every day, and she did very well. And she came home to my sister's house, and she took care of the kids. And she was a great grandmother. I felt like it was a second chance of being a mother. And then my sister was arrested along with her boyfriend for the murder of my niece. And um, the story that I was told is that she shook my niece too hard and my niece died that way. When my sister went to prison and her boyfriend went to prison, uh, the, the news channel kept on coming to my house and kept on persisting to get the story. And I had an older brother. So my mother had two kids before she had me with her ex-husband. So they're Puerto Rican and white. And then she had me and I'm biracial, I'm half black and half white. And my older brother, he was more, we, we grew up on the streets, right? Meaning we grew up, quote unquote, in the hood. And my brother was a street kid. Um, I did everything. I was a street kid too, but I did everything. I felt at a young age, this sense of connecting to something bigger than me. Um, my grandmother, my black grandmother, she put me in church at a young age, but it wasn't really for me, to be quite honest with you but I just felt this connection to something bigger. Um, so if I would go do something on the street or something was drug dealing was going around me or robbing or um, fighting, all the things I was surrounded with, 
I felt this sense of just deep shame and guilt. I felt like I wasn't here for that. So I did my best not to participate in those activities, even though sometimes you have to protect yourself, right? So my older brother, he was all in, in, into the streets. He was a street kid. The newsman came to my house a couple of times and my brother told him, stop coming. And then the, the new guys, he was very persistent and he was kind of very, he, he was very aggressive with the interview. And my brother got upset one day, broke the camera and beat the guy up. Then my brother was arrested. <clears throat> so my mother, I believe this is a big turning point. My mother completely lost her mind after losing her grandbabies. Nobody was able to get custody in my family. Everybody had a, a criminal record, so they wasn't able to get custody. So my two nephews went to the foster homes and then they had family from their father's side come get them. Sadly, it was actually the last day I saw my nephews. I haven't seen my nephews since they were three and one and a half. And um, that day, my mom just completely just she was never the same. Uh, the drug addiction got worse. Her mental health got worse. And um, I was around 11 years old. I went home one day and there was no hot water, no electricity. And um, I, my mother, was never. she was nowhere to be found. You see, when you struggle with a parent with an addiction and they get the food stamps where welfare gives you money for food each month on a card, my mom disappeared every first of the month. So when that card... And the money was on that card every first in a month. My mom disappeared. Then she'll show back up two, three weeks later. And, um, you know, there's always stories on how the money was stolen or the money never came. So my brother and I, my younger brother and I, so my father had three children with my mother. It was me, my middle brother, and my youngest brother. And um, me and my, my middle brother would have to figure a way how to eat, how to survive, how to clean our clothes. We used to clean our clothes in a tub. And then we should just put it outside in the window. And it was, it, it was, it sucked during the winter because when you go get your clothes, your khaki pants out of the window from drying, there's ice cubes on it and it's cold. So you're putting frozen pants on to go in cold weather. And there was a day I went home and there was literally nothing. And I sat on my bed and I, I was about 11 years old and I said, I got to do something in my life. There's something I have to do in my life. I have to change this paradigm. So I sat down and I took out my black and white notebook from school and I just said, how can I escape Jersey City? That was the biggest thing. How can I escape Jersey City? How can I get over this? So every day I was going to school and I had a, a teacher named Mr. Fernandez. This guy was so persistent. I mean, he was a counselor. He was so persistent. If you haven't already, I made a podcast episode with Mr. Fernandez. Uh, a couple months ago. It's on here on, on the Be Great Renee podcast. But he was very persistent. He was a Cuban guy. He used to come in with a collar shirt. His uh, button down used to be open on the top, chest hair, golden chain. And he used to be like, Nathan, you got to come talk to me. Nathan, you got to come talk to me. I'm like, bro, I'm not talking to you. I just felt like I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt, especially where I'm from, if you go see a counselor, you're soft. If you go see a counselor, you're weak. And I was like, I can't be looked at as weak or soft. I'm not doing that. And then I used to always tell him, go talk to my little brother. He needs, he needs you more. So my youngest brother, when my mother had my youngest brother, she was in prison. So my youngest brother was actually a prison baby. And my mother came out, had the baby, and she went back into prison. 
So my mother, nobody can get custody of him. So my mother's sister got custody of him. So for the first 11 years of his life, he was raised with my mother's sister. So it was just me and my middle brother, Brandon. It was me and him every day trying to find a way to survive. So I used to tell Mr. Fernandez, go talk to Brandon. Brandon Brandon's younger than me. He's going to need guidance. I'm going to figure a way. Then it was one day I noticed that, you know, I went back home and, you know, things were just getting worse. And I sat there and I opened up that notebook with my little game plan on how to make it in life. And I remember I started crying because I felt like I couldn't figure a way out. Then I thought, well, we have the number one basketball school in the country in this school. I mean, in this town. And we have one of the best high school coaches of all time. And this this high school coach is named um, Bob Hurley. He's in the Hall of Fame. I said, if there's a way I can play for this guy and use his name on my resume when I grow up, I think I'll make it. I think I'll be fine. So what I did was I put that on my dream map. I went to school the next day. Mr. Fernandez, for like the hundredth time, said, I need to come talk to you. Then I said, you know what? You're right. We do need to talk, but under one condition. He said, what's that? And I said, you have to come every morning and catch my rebounds at six in the morning. He said, for what? And I said, well, I want to play for Bob Hurley. And he goes, oh, Bob Hurley. I know who Bob Hurley is. I said, I want to play for him. So he he sat there. He stared at me. And he made an agreement. Mr. Fernandez came every morning to my elementary school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade at 7 a, I mean, 6 a.m. to open up the, the school so we can go in and utilize the gym, the basketball court in the, in the school. The deal was I had to tell him what was going on emotionally and what was going on at home. And um, he had to catch my rebounds and do drills with me. Well, Mr. Fernandez and I did that for three years. Mr. Fernandez started to bring in um, newspapers with other players that got scholarships that made it out. And he used to make me read this newspaper. And as I read this newspaper, he used to make me close my eyes and imagine it was me getting that scholarship to college. At first, I thought it was dumb. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? This is dumb. And then I started to notice the power behind it. I would come in sometimes tired or sad or upset. And I, I was, I say more upset and angry as a kid. And I used to feel the energy alchemized from anger to inspiration. And I noticed that there's an ability that we have that we can take anger, frustration, sadness, and alchemize that energy, that emotion, emotion means what? Energy, emotion, into inspiration and motivation. So I started noticing I would get these chills in my body and I would get this surge of energy. And then when it was time to practice, I had more drive to want to get better. Mr. Fernandez, come to find out, was a basketball Hall of Fame basketball player when he was in high school. And if you haven't checked out that story, Mr. Fernandez and I, check it out after this podcast. It's a really, really good story. I'll actually, I'll link it down below for you. Well, after three years of doing that and consistently you know, working hard. Um, Bob Hurley never gave me, never came to see me play. My little brother ends up getting Bob Hurley's daughter as his teacher, bugs his teacher, Melissa Ursic, who's married now. Her name was Melissa Hurley before. You got to get your dad to come see my brother. You got to get your dad to come see my brother. And never got the chance to come see me. And then right before high school started, I had a summer league game. Bob Hurley pulls up. And the same park that I used to sometimes sleep in, there was a park called Palisade Park. It's in Jersey City Heights. And I used to literally, sometimes my mother would be getting high with a bunch of other people from the neighborhood. We call them crackheads. And they would lock us out the house. 
And we had no money to call my father on the payphone. So we used to go to the park and I used to sometimes lie to my brother. And I said, if you want to make it, you know, out of, out of the hood, you know, God wants us to be here and, and see how bad we want to be basketball players. So we have to sleep here tonight. I used to make up these crazy stories. And my brother used to, you know, he was scared, but he was younger than me. And um, my brother, he was tougher than me, believe it or not. I was so inclined to becoming successful that I was a proper kid. I was a, I was a very proper street kid. So I carried myself very well on the street. And my brother did too. But the difference between Brandon and I is that Brandon would punch you in the face faster than I would. Um, and if you disrespected me, um, I would try to resolve the issue so we didn't have to fight. And as I'm trying to resolve the issue, my brother would just come across me and punch the dude in the face. 16-year-old, 17-year-olds, he's only, he's a kid. Just, he was not, anytime it was, I was trying to be really polite and I was being taken advantage of, my brother would step in. If you ever, if you want a perfect example of what Brandon was like and exactly how he looked, I'm talking about 100% how Brandon looked. Brandon, if you go to the movie Boys in the Hood and there's a version of Ice Cube when they were kids, my brother is a spitting image of that kid in Boys in the Hood. With that little afro, he had his hat on, he was a little chubby, and he would always protect his brother Ricky in the movie Boys in the Hood. That was my little brother. My little brother was always, always trying to protect me. And um, I say Brandon had it worse than me because all the trauma that we were going through and, and, and through this series, you're going to hear all these crazy stories. I'm just giving you an overview of my life, but we're going to be diving into a lot of deep stories. Um, I was going through these, but Brandon was going through it too, but the difference is he was younger than me. And so, you know, one of the things that I noticed in my life that really affected me as I grew up is I never had a childhood. When you're in survival mode and you're trying to get through the worst case cases in your life and you're trying to find a way to survive, you don't really reflect on how you don't have a childhood. But then when you get to a point and you notice that there's a lot of subconscious things that are occurring in your life and imbalances, and you start to notice, wow, my childhood was definitely not normal. And, but my goal with this podcast, Be Great with Nate, and my goal with this series alone is to dive in a little bit on these stories to give you inspiration and teach you things that I have done on my journey, hopefully to help you on yours. So that park that we used to sleep in, Bob Hurley showed up one day and he came to one of my games and I was playing this kid in high school. So I was in eighth grade going into freshman year that I was playing this kid that was a senior going to Fordham University. His name was Abdul. He had long hair, he was really good, really good basketball player. And it was I, when I looked at Abdul and I saw Hurley and the game was about to start, I said to myself, this guy is going to rob me for a scholarship if I do not perform. Well, I performed at 55 points. I earned the full scholarship right after that game. Bob Hurley put me to the side. He goes, bring your transcripts to St. Anthony's. You have a scholarship. And I felt like my life, I made it. Well, a couple of days later, we went through one of the biggest traumatic stories in times of my life that it was a, it was the breaking point that we left my mother's house. And I will share that story along with this series. I ended up going to St. Anthony's. Then we end up living in a hotel and I stood in this one hotel. My, my dad used to live in this hotel. We used to stay with him on the weekends, but then we lived with full time because of this one situation that happened with my mother. And, um, went to St. Anthony's and 
as I was in St. Anthony's, I ended up playing football. They started a football program. I ended up becoming the first Division One football player in school history. I go to Delaware State University. I study Bachelor of Science and Movement Science. That covers strength and conditioning, physical therapy, and nutrition. I graduate, have really nowhere to live, took my chances, went to New York City with what, now my fiance, but my girlfriend at the time, lived with her, her father, and her brothers, and then turned my career into nothing, into something. And I will share all the stories on what happened and how I did that. But that, I just wanted to start this introduction off with a small little glimpse of who I am for those that don't know who I am or those that were shared these podcast episodes and you just came along or you just came along one of these podcast episodes and you've been binge watching or listening to my videos on my podcast. But I basically went from a very traumatic upbringing, lost my family at 11. My older sister, haven't seen her 10 years, haven't seen my older brother in about 15 years. And I'll tell you all the stories behind all that. I'm going to be unleashing a lot of inf information. I went to become a celebrity coach, uh, CEO of a company, a celebrity coach, and now a author. I have a book that will be traditionally published next year. Um, and a lot of other news steaming up for me to continue my career. But I own a home now. My fiance and I own a home. We have three dogs. Uh, her dream was to become an actress and she became an actress if you want to see some of the journey, I'm going to link my girlfriend and I, we, my fiance and I, let me just write this down. My fiance and I, we actually, after going through everything I went through, I went to a traumatic experience in college that I lost my, I was never supposed to walk again and um, actually lost my football career. So when I graduated, um, I had to create a new dream for myself and I felt the calling of doing what I'm doing today. And it seems so scary and impossible, but the world is magical. The universe is magical. And um, when that happened, I, I, I remember telling my fiance, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I said, babe, listen, we gonna, I want to record this. I want to document this because when we make it, nobody's going to believe us. She wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be who I am today. And um, I said, let's record it. Nobody's going to believe us. Let's show them the sacrifices we're going to make. Let's show them how we're going to live in the hood. We live in the hood. Let's show them how broke we are. And there was a lot of things that we shared that was so private. But you know what? We made the decision that, one, that we're not going to accept this life. We're going to go and show the process of what we're going through and how we're going to make it out to inspire people so we can look back and show our kids 20 years from now. So that channel is called Love Across the Hudson. You can see the whole process from 2015 to last year of how we just grew, but you can, you can see how we're stuck in the hood, how she had a dream of being an actress, how I had a dream of doing what I'm doing. We shared, we did vlogs. We shared our apartment that we were living in, our living situation, how broke we were. And then my girlfriend became a actress. Uh, her dreams came true. She booked, she has movies on Netflix, Lifetime. She is the star of the new Saved by the Bell. And she made all her dreams come true. And my journey with her was I was teaching her the laws that I learned about the universe. I teached her, I was telling her the stories that I'm going to be telling you in this podcast series on how I made it out and what worked and how we can apply these things, even when things seemed impossible and everything did come true for her as well. And now that's why I'm going to be very vulnerable, honest, authentic, and open with you with these stories hoping to do the same for you. So Survivor Chronicles, 
series is an introduction or a journey that I want you to go on with me to help you get through your worst moments. There may be times where you are going through something bad. You're going to re-listen to some of these episodes that I'm going to be uploading because you're going to find inspiration and motivation in them. And you're going to be reminded of some things that went through my mind, some tools, some things that I've learned, and you can apply it in your life. I want to make this introduction video and podcast for that. And I hope you enjoy this series. Peace.